Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, I want to talk to you this morning about navigating the gray. We're in a series called Reclaiming the Church about how to get back to what church should really be all about and going through the epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian people, all right? So re, uh, reclaiming the church, navigating the gray. Have you ever struggled with the gray? Uh, have you ask, ever asked yourself, is this okay for Christians to do? Should Christians watch this? Should I wear this? Should I eat this? Should I go there? Should I accept that invitation? Or on the other side, have you looked at other Christians uh, in your context and said, you know, I don't think I would do that. And I don't think, is that right? And you wonder, and then on the inside of you, it kind of comes out this judgmentalism about, if you're a Christian, would you really do that? Would you really go there? Should she really be wearing that if she's a Christian? And we begin to kind of get this idea of, is this a gray area? What is a gray area? It's that place where it's undefined. It's that place that's ill-defined. It doesn't conform to an existing set of rules. Maybe in that moment, for different Christians, it's determining of what is right and wrong. It's difficult to judge, or maybe it's open to interpretation. And so, how do we navigate the gray. For instance, there may be a sign on uh, the store, and you go into the store, and it says, no dogs allowed. And you know you can't bring your dogs, but then you're open to interpretation if you're going to bring your billy goat, right? I mean, you might be like, well, you know, they didn't say goats, so then you bring your goat into the store. For some of us, it's implied because it said no dogs, so you think no billy goats, no pet iguanas, no hamsters. I mean, you can kind of infer it, but for some, it might be, well, that's a gray area. Uh, how do you define in this culture what is right and wrong? What should a Christians do or not do? You know, in the Bible, there are clear black and white issues. Those are what we call the fundamental truths of Christianity. Those are the things that say there is but one God, and he is holy. And there is the Son, he is Jesus, and Jesus is the only way to heaven. And it's by only his name that no other people, nobody can be saved except through his name. And that he died on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And that, there is, that he's coming back for his spotless bride, the church. Those are... We can dispute those. Those are fundamental truths of Scripture, which we all have to agree on. The basic truths of salvation, that it's not by works we should save, lest we should boast, but it's the grace of God that leads us to salvation. That's how we're saved. And those are the fundamental things. We're going to have to agree on those to be in this family together. But then there's gray areas, what we'd call secondary truths where we might be open to a diverse interpretation and culture. There's, there's different expressions of worship in our church. There might be different uh, Christian traditions of how we celebrate Christmas and Easter and how we, even how we dress and what we view as appropriate or what kind of music we think we can listen to and places we think we can go, even denominational interpretations. And the unfortunate part of the American church right now is we are often divided in the gray. Uh, we can come together on the fundamentals, but it's the gray areas that often divide us from Baptist to Pentecostal, from contemporary to traditional to young versus old, from hot versus cold, we, we, from uh, religious rote or spontaneous. We, we often divide in the gray, and the world looks at that, and they say, well, if you guys can't agree, why should we even participate? What, what is the deal there? You know, uh, <clears throat> culture matters. 
You know, a long time ago, if you were to look at the swimsuit from 1951 and say, give me the most risque swimsuit of 1951, and we compare it to 2021, you're probably going to find a difference. Why? Because time changes. And what is modest in 1951 is different than what it's modest in 2021. How many know that's to be true? Right? Because time matters. The same is true for if you were to go to the Amazon jungle and find out what they wear on a daily basis, and then you go to what you should wear at your job on a daily basis, you're probably going to find a difference depending on where you work. You know, uh, there's a difference because not only does time matter, but culture matters. Space, location matters. How we handle ourselves in different contexts determines how we should interpret the gray. What is modesty here may not be modesty there. What is right here may not be right there. What is appropriate there may not be appropriate here. So what should or shouldn't a Christian do today? How should we separate from today's culture? How should you participate in it? How do you know what's right and wrong? And what should or shouldn't you do if you've been invited by a non-Christian? Should you go to that place? Should you eat with them? Should you go with them? Should you participate? There's two sides you can go to this. There's one side is law, and the law is those of us who grew up with a lot of don'ts. The law is often the no's, right? The no's. Don't do this. Don't do this. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And people who like the law like a lot of methods. They like the, the ritualistic. They like traditions to keep us safe. And those aren't always bad. But if you stay in the law too much, you can become a legalist. And legalists are those that's like X amount of cuss words in a movie is too much, right? Uh, X amount of inches off your clothing is too little. And legalism can often lead to a bad thing because we interpret our own culture above scripture. We interpret our own methods above the methods of God. We can add to the Bible. And there's another side. And the other side is called liberty. And liberty is all the things we've been given in Christ. So we are free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we can stay in liberty and say, yeah, celebrate my freedom. I can do whatever I want because God really only cares about the heart. And if you get too far off into liberty, there's a thing called licentiousness. And that is where you cast off all moral restraints. You think, well, you know, God really only cares about the inside. It doesn't really matter what you do with your life. God's just looking at the real you. And that gets into all kinds of bad problems. And Jesus is a perfect example of how he balances this out. Jesus on one day is eating with a Pharisee, and on the next day he's eating with a prostitute. And how did Jesus do that? He learned to balance law and liberty with love. Law and liberty with love. Law and liberty are always balanced with love. And let me explain that as we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say amen. Okay, so let me give you the background, because this is about temple meat, and we don't have this in our culture, but let me give you the idea. So in this city, ancient city called Corinth, they had a problem. Christians who were converting could ha- had a hard time Uh, divorcing themselves from culture, much like we do today. Temple worship was just a part of culture. And whether or not you believed in that idol in that temple or that pagan god in that temple, like Zeus, Apollos, Aphrodite, and all those Greek and Roman gods, whether you believed in it or not, it was just part of society. It was just like going to the family barbecue. It was just like going to Christmas with your family. It was just like celebrating an American holiday like we do here. Whether you believe in the holiday or not, it was just culture. Now, some people went to that temple and they believed in the God they were sacrificing to. And others just said, this is just part of life. 
and so these Christians were coming out, and in the temple, one of the things they would do is they would sacrifice uh, some meat, you know, an animal, to their god, their idol. And the priest would get a piece of the steak, all right? The family would get a piece of the meat, and then some pieces would be sold in the market. Now, what the family would do is they would take their piece of the meat, and they would go to an adjoining room uh, outside the temple, and they would invite all their families and friends from a big old potluck and a feast in honor of the God who blessed them with a job promotion or something like that, right? Uh, or christen the new baby. And they would invite all them together. And so the Christian who converted had to make a decision. Should I go to my family's barbecue and eat at the temple and to the, eat the meat that was sacrificed to that idol? Now, you may think, well, it's just a barbecue. Meat is meat, man. I love a good steak, all right? And I didn't have to go in there and worship that. I didn't go in there and participate in that. So why can't I just go eat some meat? And that was one perspective. The other perspective was... I came out of all that idol worship. I don't want to have nothing to do with all that. Weren't we supposed to be separate? And if somebody sees me go to that family barbecue at the temple, how do they know I didn't go inside and worship there? Right? Now you see where we're going. And so there was another uh, problem. There was eat, eating the meat in the market. If you went to the temple market, which was at outside, it was really cheap. And man, if you were poor, how many know a good steak on a discount is good, right? I mean, it don't matter where it comes from. If it's a good steak, it's on sale. Get it. You know, like, that's, they're like, hey, get the good steak on sale. Who cares if it came from the idol? I don't believe in that idol. I didn't eat, I didn't worship the idol. I just want the meat. And then other people are like, no, I got to go to the mar market. I don't want to know where that, I don't want to know where that meat came from. I want to have my conscience clear. And then they're like, but you don't know really if that's idol meat or not. So what does it really matter? And so do you see the division here? And you can kind of apply this to our own cultural context, but look what Paul says is the solution to a divided church on should I participate in this secular behavior? Should I go to this thing or this event? Should I participate in this thing that this secular people are doing? And so he says this in chapter eight, verse one. Now concerning the things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge, we all have religious opinions. Knowledge or religious opinions make you arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he's not yet to know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, everybody say love. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the things of eating sacrifice, eating things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, indeed, there are many gods, many lords, yet for us, there's just one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. And now, not all men have this knowledge, but some... Being accustomed to the idol meat until now, they eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God, neither are we the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care, listen, take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who has knowledge dining in an idol temple, will not his conscience be weak? And it be strengthened to eat the things sacrificed to idols. For though your knowledge, your religious understanding, uh, he who is weak is ruined, the brother who for Christ's sake died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again, so that I'll not cause my brother to stumble. 
Are we free to participate in secular activities? And if so, how should we do it and when should we not do it? Can I go to that club? Can I go to that concert? Can I drink that drink? Can I be seen with these people? Should I accept that invitation to go to that place? Should I go on this trip with those people? All these questions can come into our mind. And I really struggled. This is this sermon, I struggled on this sermon probably more than any so far this year, even debating it with some other pastors for a couple of weeks now on how to present this to you because we can so easily get into a pigeonhole and the number one place we often go to is social drink. And that context is so far removed from, from today that we want to say, well, it's all about drinking and should I drink? But, you know, there's no such thing as drinking's fine, but don't get drunk. And then so all we could get into all that. I really want to explain to you what I think the American temple looks like today. When I look at the world and we don't have idols like very plainly like this cultural context. But when I look at America today, I do see a temple of worship. I see a young Americans who bow to the God of self in a temple called social media. I think here sexuality and self-expression is what we celebrate. From an early age, teen and young adults take pictures of their bodies. They show off their poses, their fashion, their swimsuits, all for the world to see. These young worshipers believe weekends are for going to parties and clubs and music concerts with drinking and sexualized dancing, showing off their sexy attire. Fun is no longer just found in alcohol, but marijuana, which leads to pills. They no longer believe entertainment affects the soul. It's fine to watch movies and HBO and TV with full nudity, sex, horrific violence, cursing, and more because it's just good TV. Love is now expressed in sex before marriage. You have to try someone on first to see if they're a good fit. Many experience divorce as children, so commitment and marriage are feared. Meanwhile, it's common to stay the night together, go on overnight trips, even live together before deciding to marriage. Thus, many are even accidentally having children and still not ready to marry. So they attempt to raise kids on their own as two young singles. And in this media-filled temple, people often turn to celebrities for opinions instead of politicians. They not only worship sexuality and self-expression, but diversity and tolerance and equality. And truth is relative to the eye of the beholder. So they believe homosexuality should be celebrated. They're spiritual, but they're not religious. They love the idea of Jesus and that he's love. And they see traditional Christians as judgmental, legalistic, and hypocritical. They believe if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. They know they're broken. They know it. And so often they feel empty on the inside and you're not shy to post about it. Many are fighting depression, suicidal thoughts, and self-harm, cutting specifically. But they celebrate their brokenness as a rite of passage. They long to feel valued and loved, and many have been deeply hurt by someone, especially one of their parents or one of their own family members, even abused. And some have been deeply hurt by their own life choices. And many of them have both physical and emotional scars. That is American worship today. I have multiple family members going to that temple. I have multiple friends. We have many, many youth in our culture, in our society, in our church going to this temple. Some of us have come out of this temple. What do you do when homosexuals are going to ask you to go out to dinner? What do you do if a non-married couple asks you to go on an overnight trip with them? 
Do you endorse their behavior or do you go with them? Do you go to those places where your coworkers have invited you? Do you participate in the same shows in TV they watch so you can have conversation? Do you go to those concerts? Then you say it's just music, but then there's all this other behavior going on there as well. How do you navigate the gray? Because it's not just simple as pews anymore versus chairs. And churches have been so divided for so long on so many petty issues that the world could care less about. The world does not care about women in ministry or not in ministry. They do not care about contemporary music or traditional music. They do not care about Baptist versus Pentecostal versus Methodist. They just know they are lost and they don't know how to be saved. They are broken and they don't know how to be filled. And our little petty things that churches so much divide over in the gray are never ever going to reach a lost and dying generation going to a devil's hell. There are so many things in the gray that we could divide over, but what is the point when these people are going to this temple every day to self-worship, to ideology, to pagan culture, and how are Christians going to influence this culture for Jesus Christ? How are we going to stand apart but have a voice into a culture that thinks Christians are all judgmental legalists? There's a balance. If I had one of those, the justice, remember the lady justice and she's got two scales and it's kind of holding it and it's like liberty and justice, right? There's two balancing scales. And in the ancient world, it's kind of like that. When you measure things, you try to get them equal. On, if one side was heavier, you just add to this side, right? And it kind of comes out and balances. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, so on one side we have the law. And if we put too much law, we'll be leaning that way. Legalism, rules, this versus that. This is how you should dress. We come into church. Girls, this is how you should dress. This is what you should do. These are the movies you should and should not go to. This is what's expected of you of Christianity. And we become legalistic. And if you become too legalistic, it goes this way. And then if you have liberty, it's this, too much this way. We become so much like the world that we have no influence over the world. We're not any different than the world, which is where some people are. They, there's no voice into the world when you're the same as it. So what does Paul say? He's going to say something here in just a second, that you have to balance it with love. If you're too legalistic, you have to start loving the lost more. Love the lost, love the lost, love the lost, and it balances. If you're too liberal, too, too loose on this side, you better start loving God more than this world. Love God, love God, love God. You see what I'm saying this morning? Love people, love God. You say, Pastor, it's not that simple. It is that simple. Love God, love people. That's how you balance legalism and law versus liberalism and freedom and liberty. Look what he said. I'm gonna give you these three words, law, liberty, and love. The first is law, law. In scripture, there are clear black and white issues. We live in a world of 50 shades of gray, but there is clear black and white issues. There are clear black and white issues in Scripture. Paul says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he should not fall. Verse 14, in chapter 10, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. What is he saying? Don't play in the gray. Don't play in the gray. If you are in this world and you think it's about navigating the gray and we want to stay in the gray and we want to try to stand, spend time in the gray, if you are in a lost road of fog, you are sure to lose your way. If you don't know how to navigate out of the gray and to know what black and white issues are, you are sure to find yourself lost in the gray. And in the gray, that's where people want to play. People want to play in the gray. We want to see how close to the line we can get. How much is, is too close? And, and where's the line at, Jesus? What, is, what, where, what can I do? 
with freedom? And how, what can I get away with before I cross the line? Paul's saying, don't play in the grave. But my beloved, flee from idolatry. I just told you what temple worship in America looks like. He says, flee from the appearance of evil. Flee from idolatry. Anything that's going to take the place of God in your heart. And it's not legalism. Paul says that we come under a new law in Christ. He says, it is the law of God in Christ. What does that mean? He says, it is a law now of love. It is not about measuring how long your skirts are. It's not about counting how many drinks. It's not a count of curse words in the rated R movie. It's not going to this or that or what you can or cannot do. It's about finding out anything in your heart that has been replaced in loving God. That I have to love God with everything I've got. And if I find out there is an area of my life that I don't have full devotion to the Lord from, Paul says, I need to take that thing, smash it down like an idol and run completely the other way and come out of that temple in freedom because I have a law for loving God and that law is saying I'm going to examine my heart and if I find self-worship in my life I'm going to flee from it and if I find alcohol has come over me in my life I'm going to flee from it or gambling or addiction or drugs or relationships or sexuality or pride in posting things about myself I will gladly give up social media I will give up drinking I will give up movies I will give up whatever it takes to make sure Jesus Christ is first in my life that is the law of loving God. What does he say? He says to them, I want you to be clear about something. Going to the barbecue at the temple is one thing, but worshiping in the temple is another. Going to the barbecue at the temple is one thing, but worshiping in the temple is another. What does he say? He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 19, what do I mean? That sacrificing, uh, that thing sacrificed to an idol is anything? No, meat is meat. Or that idol is anything. Aha, now we have it. No, but I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice to, they are sacrificing to demons and not to God. There was a thing about secular music in my uh, growing up. We, I, I don't know if you had this in your youth group, but I remember in my youth group growing up as a kid, our youth pastor asked us, no, this is the day I'm, I'm going to put my age for the young people. We had CDs, things called CDs, right? And you, we brought them to a fire and we burned them. Not beauty burning, not duplicating. Like took them to a bonfire and burned them. Take your Metallica CD and lay it on the altar. We're going to just burn it up. And I don't know if you did that when that was my, you know, upbringing, right? And I had a friend who said, I would really want, you know, I, I, I want to be a Christian and all, but I can't give up Metallica. That's just where he was, all right? And he saw the legalism of what we were portraying in that this is what's required to be a Christian. There's the X too many. This is how tall, this is how short, this is how long, this is how fast. This is where you can go, this is what you can't do. This is what you must give up and what you can't give up. But he says, it's a law for loving God. It's a difference. It's not about whether, I love secular music. I love jazz, I love oldies, I love old rock. I'm the old at heart. I mean, anything old, I probably like it. And you think, well, how can a pastor listen to the Eagles? Don't you know that Hotel California is in there? I mean, yeah, I get it, right? But it's different if music is music. Alcohol is just a liquid. That liquid has no power over anyone. It is a liquid. It's what you give power to. It's just like what the, the conservatives say about guns. A gun has never killed anyone. It takes a person to pull the trigger, right? It's the same true. Paul says that meat is just meat. But whatever you give power to in your life, you better crucify it. Whatever that thing over you is, you better crucify it. It's different going into the temple in worship or just eating the meat outside the temple. There's something different. 
Whatever has power over you. It's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's, it's God at the chief worship of my life. Love God more than you love anything in this world. Crucify the carnal. Let me tell you this. If you're in doubt, don't. Should I watch that movie? If you're in doubt, don't. Should I go to that place? If you're in doubt, don't. Should I drink that too many? If you're in doubt, don't. Because I love God more. Number two is liberty. Liberty. It's really a hard issue. Paul recognized we're saved by grace and nothing you can do in the flesh can please God. It's not about how many drinks you take, what you go, what you don't go, how many things you say, what you don't say. Nothing you can do in the flesh could ever please God. I don't care how many dresses you have in your closet versus pants. Nothing you could ever do or put on or not put on could ever please God. You are saved by the work of Christ on that cross by grace through faith alone. It is the blood alone that causes you to be holy enough to go to heaven. I should get an amen on that one. Man, it's, it's liberty. You have been freed in Christ. There is no, no condemnation for those who walk in Christ, not by the works of the flesh, but by grace, by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's how we live this Christian life on. And Paul was persecuted against for preaching too much grace. And Paul said, yeah, but here's how it works. Because of Christ's freedom, I can do anything that God has led me to do under the law of loving God. You know, wasn't it Jesus who said to the legalist, it's not about what you eat or drink that defiles you, but what comes out of the heart of man, that's what defiles you. It's what's in your heart that defiles you. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 20, he says, to the Jews, I'd become a Jew that I can reach all Jews under the law. And to, to the Gentiles, I'd become a Gentile to reach more Gentiles. Paul, a man who was bound by legalistic traditions as a Jew and a Pharisee of the law, he, he would give up his kosher rights to reach people. And I look at our life as a church, and for some of us, who've been raised in the Bible Belt, some of us who've been raised in church all of our life, what cultural traditions have we put and elevated to the place of Scripture? What things have we limited ourselves from reaching out across the aisle to a lost world who is hurting and broken and dying and going to the hell? And to a, there's a Jesus that was willing to go sit uh, at a place of sinners. He was willing to go eat with tax collectors and be criticized for it. He was willing to let a prostitute wash his feet to be around their uncleanness so that he can love them more and show them that God is a God who goes after the lost one. He leaves the 99 to find the one who is lost because that is the pursuit of a loving God. And have we have walled ourselves into our holy huddles and said, it's about all these rules. It's about looking the part of a church. It's about coming to a time slot. It's about doing all these things. And we said, we've made Christianity so much more or less than it should be. What am I holding on to as black and white that maybe it's my dress, my diet, my political views? You want to be a Christian, you got to be a Republican. Find that in Scripture. Or if you want to be a Christian, you got to listen to this kind of music. Or you got to go to church this way, you got to wear this, you got to do that. Really? What about being all things to all men? You say, well, Pastor Heath, you can get in a lot of trouble like that. It is, it's true. Paul says that I will keep myself under the law of loving God with all my heart and I will do anything so far as going to not, not, he's not sinning, but I'll do anything but sin to reach someone. And I have to know what that area is for me. For some of us, it might be one thing. For some of us, it's another. So how do you balance it? He says the last word is this. He says it's love. What do you mean? Don't you need some rules? 
Rules are good. Love is better. He says there's a cultural concept you have to understand with these balance issues. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 25, he says, here's what you do. Eat anything that's sold in the meat market without asking questions for your conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's, all it contains. But if an unbeliever invites you and you want to go, eat anything set before you without asking questions for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this meat is sacrificed to idols, don't eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of their conscience. Not by conscience of your own, but for their conscience. Because why is my freedom judged? I may not have a problem with alcohol. I may not have a problem with this or that or that. But if they do, then they put their weakness on me. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, Pastor Christian and I went to a pastor's conference in, in Monroe. And uh, next to our hotel, outside the window, was a big sign that says Hooters. Right? And in and, and the parking lot, it kind of, you know, is together. And I said, Pastor Christian, man, wouldn't it be awful if we're like walking to our car and like a church member comes out and says, oh my gosh, I just saw both pastors coming out of Hooters. You know, and I could, I've never been there, no plans to go there, right? But, but you know, Liberty says I could go there. And if I have no problem with lust or anything, and you just like chicken wings or whatever they have, if you go there and you say, I can enjoy that without sinning. All right, but another person says, I can't do that. I can't go there and just be about that. My mind is going in the wrong place, so that person shouldn't go there. And so why don't I go to those places? Because of the weakness of my brother. Paul said the better way is love. It's a love for God that keeps you out of sin and keeps you in a holy fear of his judgment. He says, if you're worried about what other Christians are doing or don't doing, here's the key. God is going to judge them. There's going to be a day where every Christian stands before a holy and righteous judge and they're going to answer to him for how much they loved him. So put that fear on yourself. Let that sober you up a little bit. If I'm too concerned about what you're doing or don't doing, you're going to answer to God for that. That's between you and him and you're going to meet your maker one day. All right, that's on you. But for me, if I see that my brother is stumbling with lust, me and him are not going to Hooters. If I see that my brother is stumbling with alcohol, we're not going to go to an event with alcohol because I'm going to take whatever his weakness is and put it on myself even if it's a strength of mine. Are you hearing me? You may want to go to the casino and it may have the best burgers and steak you could ever imagine and have all the free Coke and Dr. Pepper you want. And I could go to that casino and it wouldn't do me nothing. I don't have a thing about gambling. I could even put stuff in a slot machine and walk away. I mean, it doesn't matter. It wouldn't be a sin to me. But if my brother, whom I'm with, has a thing for gambling, we're not going there. Or if someone want, if I care about my reputation as a Christian, as a leader in the church, I don't want you thinking anything that you maybe have a sin issue with and that I'm going to say, you know what? I care about building up the body of Christ so much that even though I'm free to do it, I'll give it up gladly. Paul says, I will never eat meat again if, it th if I go into that temple and one of my brothers thinks that I went into that temple to worship, I'll just, not, I'll just give up barbecue because the reputation of this church is so much more important and the, the, the weakness of my brother is so much more important than my liberty. So I may be free to take alcohol I may be free to go to the casino. I may be free to eat at a Hooters. I may be free to go to that country music concert with all the drinking and all the people not dressed appropriately. I may be free to go there. But he says this. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, 
but not all things edify. And let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. He says there's a difference in the church world. Some of us have come out of liberty in the world and we think it's all about our freedoms. Who are you to judge me? I'm free to do this. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. I'm free to do this. He says, well, that's pride. Because when you come to the church world, you die for the sake of other people. And on the other side, you say, well, it's all about legalism and rules and blah, blah, blah. He says, yeah, well, God's gonna judge that person. Let him alone. It's all for love. Do I love God more than I love this thing? Do I love the lost more to go out there and pursue them? And do I love my brother more as these young Christians are coming out of drugs or alcohol that I will give up things gladly with them for the sake of their relationship with Jesus Christ? Sure, you could be free to do it, but for their sake, would you give it up for the sake of the health of the church? And let's stop judging one another. Let's stop picking rules and religious things. He says, love the weak. Their weakness, he says this in Romans 14, 23, if someone has a doubt that something is a sin, it's a sin to them. Is this a sin? Is it not? Should I do this? Should I do not? If you feel like it's a sin, it's a sin to you. If my brother thinks eating barbecue at the temple is a sin, then it's a sin to my brother, and he shouldn't go do it. And maybe I can do it, you know what? For the sake of my brother, I will gladly give up going to that barbecue because I love him more than I love my freedom. You see, there's a better way than legalism. I could, give, I could be a pastor and give you all these rules. Don't drink, don't cuss, don't smoke, don't watch rated R movies, word this, humble modesty, don't post this on Facebook. I could tell you all these rules. That's not how we guide our Christianity. We guide our Christianity because we fear a holy God whom we also love because we know I'll stand before him and I love him for dying on the cross for me and so I gladly give up all things, leave this idol of Americanism, leave this American temple because I say, Lord, I'm gonna smash that stuff. I'm coming out to worship you and I also love my brother enough to give up anything I may be free to do and I love the lost to give up all my cultural Christianity, gray area divisions, bickering in the church and division to get out there and see somebody get saved. At the end of the day, it's always, always about love. Love God, love people. Though it may not be a sin to me, and you may think I can, you can post whatever you want, you can drink whatever you want, wear whatever you want, go whatever you want, watch whatever you want, but how does it affect others around you? What do they think about you? Do they think you went into the temple and worshiped? That matters. Not because you're sinning, but because you care about the church. You care about the name of Jesus. It's not for legalism, it's for love. I want you to, as we close, I want you to think about how much Paul is asking these Christians to love one another. That love is our guide. Love is what we balance legalism and liberty with what we balance law and liberty with? Or how are you navigating these gray areas? Is it by legalistic traditions? By restrict, are they restricting you from loving the lost? Are your little legalistic traditions causing you to judge other Christians according to your own issues? Or number two, have you thrown off what other thinks for your personal liberty? You think, well, it's not a sin. Who cares what anybody else thinks? Is it causing you to lack in love for God or causing your brothers to stumble? Or number three, are you navigating everything you do 
with a greater love for God and a greater love for others. Would you stand with me all across this room? How are you balancing law and liberty with love? Everything I wear, every place I go, Lord, does this please you? Everything I do, everything I say, Lord, does this please you? And God, how does it affect the loss? And how does it affect my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's not about rules any longer. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let him speak to you. If it's a sin to you, it's a sin to you. On one camp, some of us who've grown up in church, we probably, and I myself included, easily turn to legalism. We put so many cultural things up in our path that keeps us from reaching the loss. We box ourselves in, wall ourselves in about all of our Christianese things. And then we start dividing and bickering over them. That's a sin. Jesus paid with the sinner. Let him wash his feet. He went to where they are because he loved them enough. And he had a holiness and a greater love for God than anything in this world. So maybe you're on that camp and you say, Lord, I need to pray for a greater love for the lost than I have a love for Christian rules and Christian traditions. Greater love for the lost. Now on the other side, maybe you've come out of all this freedom and you can kind of fall the other way. And you can say, I can do whatever I want to do. Would you give up that pride to say, I love people I love my church. I love the reputation of the body of Christ. That if there's a weak member in my body, if there's a legalistic person, I love that legalistic person. Enough to care what they think. He's like, whoa. In a world that's so divided with legalism and liberalism, you're telling me to care for the legalistic, judgmental person? Yes. I'm asking you, free Christian, to care what that judgmental person thinks and where they are. I'm telling you to care about where those people who need roles in their life. I'm telling you, I know you're free. I know you can do that. I, maybe you don't sin when you do that. But do you care enough about their relationship with Christ to give up your freedom? That's a heavy thing. Which side are you on? Greater love for God. Greater love for people. Would you ask the Lord to balance you out this morning? Father, right now in this room, I'm asking just for more love. More love for a holy God to give up anything freely in this life for. Lord, if there is something in my life that is displeasing, that has replaced my affection, that has power over me,